0: when it's released. Tour story listeners get ten percent off by using code FRET10. That's F R E T one Zero. All at isotope.com. That's I Z O T O P E dot com. Hello, Joe Plummer. Hey Brenda, How you doing?
1: Well, it's the fourth of July, man.
0: Oh yeah. Hey man, sorry to bother you so much. Did, did, did you forget to a tour that? Part? Story.
1: Trying to get I literally am like in the baby pool in the backyard with the slip and slide going about to make an apple yeah. pie and potato salad, your timing well, could not be worse.
0: Sorry, I just, um, I do hear singing in the background. I know I've left <laughs>
1: several messages,
0: but, uh, just would love to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I get it.
0: <laughs> do it's you think a,
1: that you could, you,
0: you want to do one now over the phone or,
1: uh, uh uh, how about you uh, call me back? Um, how about never? Is never good for you?
0: Uh, you sound pissed. Are you really actually mad? If I can, yeah, I can call you back whenever it's good for you.
1: Good. We'll do it. We'll do it then. Okay. Bye bye.
0: Hello. Hey! Brenda Canty is a film producer, a composer, a record producer, and of course the drummer of Fugazi. In this episode, he tells us what it's like to have his parents at a show for the first time, and how he and his bandmates escaped a riot at their own show in Warsaw. From Ruinous Media, this is Tour
1: Stories. The only time my father came to see me play in Fugazi or any other band was um, 1991, Seattle at Lake City Theater. It was kind of the height of the nuttiness of uh, everything kind of blowing up. And um, we're staying at my parents' house. My parents had retired to Seattle and my dad was the architecture critic for the PI out there. So he really couldn't avoid coming out and seeing us play at this point. Now, a little background on my dad. He's a big jazz fan, piano player, classical music fan, mega snob about all that stuff. So there was a reason why he'd never come to see us play. I mean, he he knew he would hate it, and I knew he would hate it. I never really pushed him that hard on it. We rolled through town and I invited him down and we're playing the show and I'm like banging away and Guy's, you know, wrestling stage divers off the stage. (laughs) And the whole thing is kind of going kind of nuts. And I look out the corner of my eye and through the stage door, I see my father coming in on his uh, crutches. He had had polio when he was a kid and he walked with these like arm brace crutches. Anyways, he's kind of like... Lumbering over like a, a silver-backed ape, kind of coming to attack me, <laughs> and he gets closer and closer, and he comes. I mean, he walks right out in the middle of the stage and he's standing right next to me, facing the crowd and scanning the crowd while I'm whipping through a number for a full song, and then like another half of the song. And then halfway through that song, he nudges me with his big arm while I'm playing against the shoulder and says, Your mother and I are heading home! (laughs) I said, Okay, bye! And he just turned around and went out the stage door. we came back to his house. We were staying at his house on Capitol Hill in Seattle. And we walked in at about two o'clock in the morning and they were still up. Of course, they stayed up till the wee hours, drinking and reading and listening to music really loud. But we walked in and they were clapping. Oh yeah, that was fantastic. Fantastic show, guys. <laughs> really incredible. And I said, oh, all right, dad. <laughs> Uh, Thanks, man. I'm not going to push this one any further. (laughs) I love you, too. The other one I wanted to tell you was when we were on the road in Poland I don't know exactly what year it is but we could look it up when we were playing in Warsaw and there was this um lovely group of people who put on this event uh, in the theater in the university and we went and did the sound check in the university and then went went up to this like single level dorm house to eat dinner where they'd set up a big table and we were eating with the promoters and all the people who had been working on the gig. And life was beautiful um, until we got a phone call and, and they were, you know, it's like, What is it? And they said, Oh, there's uh, uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. And it was like, then the phone rang again. It was like a little more heated, like Polish, you know, desperation. Like, la, 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 la like what's going on he's they said um well a bunch of skinheads and soccer hooligans wanted to come to your show and we told them they couldn't come in then they started uh rioting down there and now they're on their way here and we're like they're on their way here it looks like a half a mile from there through the campus and they say yeah they're coming up here to to confront us all and we're like oh shit so we walk out into the street of course and Man, there was a ton of them. I want to say a couple hundred, but that might be a little stretching it. But it was plenty of people, and they were weirdly mixed between skinheads and guys who look like uh, Malcolm Young, uh, you know, kind of like proper soccer hooligan long hairs mixed in, which are actually, when you're confronted with it, a little more terrifying. And they're all, uh, and they're all screaming. And throwing punches immediately. Like, immediately just get right up. We thought we're all gonna hash this out. They were just thinking they were gonna throw some punches. So they just started wailing on everybody. At which point, because we didn't know who anybody was and what, how to, there was no reasoning with anybody. We just uh, ran back inside the house. And um, as they chased us into the house, or at, at least onto the porch, and And Alex stayed outside. Ian's brother stayed outside because he's the scrappiest among us. One might refer to him as like a guy who's um, actually likes to fight. (laughs) uh, Skinheads were like getting up on the banisters and kicking people in the head, you know, on the porch and... We get inside, and then they're trying to shut the. They shut the door, and then it's like, "Oh, Alex, out there! We have to kind of grab Alex off the street." And so we're we're reaching out to grab Alec. All these these while well, these hands are coming in the door, and everybody in the place is pulling shit out, like pots and pans and fire extinguishers off the wall to to, to do battle with these guys. And they're trying to get in the front door, and we're trying to get Alec through. And um, we're beating them back with the pots and pans and shit. And then um, we finally get Alec inside. And that's when people were disappearing. And this window started getting smashed. And all the doors to all the dormitories started closing. So we were just... It was like me and Guy were like, Oh, shit, where is everybody? And we looked around. And there was it was terrifying. There was nobody around. And so we, we... while the windows are being smashed, we're running down the halls, and we're like, it's just a dead end at the end of this hall. And I was like, man, we are totally fucked. Ian stuck his head out the door at the very last door on the right and said, Brendan, Keith, get in here. So we ran in that door, we shut the door and locked it. We turned off the lights, and then we opened up the back windows and jumped out the windows into the field, got in our van and drove across the football field with our lights off to get away. They, the promoter had told Ian, just go into go into the center of the city and call this number wait for me to call you back. So we drove in and we just hung out at a restaurant for a few hours until we heard uh, that it was safe to come back to the to the gig. And so we, we went back to the gig and they had let all these fuckers into the show, which was the worst feeling ever to have to play for these guys. So we played for them all. And what had happened is the police had shown up. Police allowed them to come in as long as they left their IDs at the door. So they left their IDs at the door, and what I heard was they used the IDs to arrest everybody the next day, all the skinheads and hooligans. So anyways, that was super gnarly. I, um great uh, memory seared into my brain, mostly of like a funhouse of running down a long hall while the doors shut and keep you out and the windows are all being smashed behind them. Uh, good times thanks to Brennan
0: for the story join us for our next episode with Nick Dorber one of the lead singers of Mr. Heavenly and don't forget to check out our weekly check-ins at ruinousmedia.com slash Damn.